Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome, everybody, to December's uh, Untangling Transportation call. Uh, I am Ron Brooks, as the founder and CEO of Accessible Avenue. We sponsor these calls. And uh, before we dive into this week, I just want to acknowledge a couple of folks. I want to acknowledge um, um, <laughs> Natalie, who is our host, uh, Katie, who is streaming, and Brad, who is over in Clubhouse. Guys, uh, folks, thank you very much for helping us out tonight. I really appreciate it. Um, I also want to acknowledge all of you who have joined us tonight. I think we're, our attendance is a little bit smaller tonight, and that's going to be great because it's going to give us a chance um, to have some nice conversation uh, around all of the topics around transportation. Uh, talk about the year we've had and talk about where we'd like to go in the future, and I'll get into that um, just a little bit more. So tonight's call is going to be a little bit different because Normally what we do is we have a guest and they come in and or maybe two and we talk about a topic that's very specific. Uh, we talk for 30 to 45 or 50 minutes and then we have some time for uh, questions and answers and it seems like we never have enough time. So tonight's the opposite. So tonight it's really going to be about um, you all having an opportunity to speak uh, and to be heard uh, and for uh, me uh, and, and the rest of us to do the listening so I want to just kind of talk a little bit about our year uh, with Accessible Avenue, with Untangling Transportation. Accessible Avenue really has one very, very simple mission, and we do it in two ways. Our mission is to uh, transform mobility for folks with disabilities, and we do it in two ways. Um, we do that by working with the public transportation industry and the companies who work in that industry and the private companies who work in that industry and, and other transportation services as well to try to make their services and products and programs more accessible and more equitable for disabled people, including those of us who are blind or visually impaired. So we provide consulting and training and we try to help them directly. The other thing that we do is we work with the community uh, and organizations within the community to, to help people solve transportation challenges. Uh, a lot of times that takes the form of just answering questions. It's like, um, hey, I've had this issue with my transit agency. I don't know what to do about it. It's frustrating. Uh, you know, am I, am I, are my concerns valid? And if they are, what do I do? And we've done quite a bit of that too. And, and uh, I love both roles. And I really, really enjoy the opportunity to work uh, with folks and to try to make transportation work better uh, to the extent that we're able so we launched these calls, Untangling Transportation, in March of this year. Uh, so we've been doing this for about 10 months. This, I believe, is our 10th or 11th call. And our goal here is to really just highlight a topic, dive into it, try to share as much information as we can, share tips, tricks, strategies, uh, anything that's worked, challenges, whatever, uh, so that we can hopefully help each other uh, figure out transportation, which is, of course, uh, a top, uh, the thing that gets us the most freedom and causes the most frustration at times. So that's really what we've been doing. We've talked about everything from air travel to autonomous vehicles. We've talked about on-demand paratransit. We've talked about transportation for parents who need to use paratransit. 
Uh, so we've really had a lot of conversation about a lot of different things. Uh, and that, of course, is where we want to go in the future. So tonight, it's all about you guys. It's all about the, the, the issues and the challenges and the things you want. We're calling tonight's call uh, your uh, transportation gift list. And I thought, you know, we're at the end of the year. Let's take time and give people an opportunity to talk about what you would like to see in transportation in your world in 2023 and beyond. What are the things you wish were different? What are the things that you, the ideas you have that might make things different? What topics do you have in mind that you would like to see us uh, bring to this uh, forum, maybe in 2023, as we're thinking about topics that we want to cover? You know, what are those topics? So really, this is going to be your chance to share on those topics. So we're going to, we're literally just going to open it up. We're going to invite people to raise your hands, get called on. And then we're just going to go back and forth, you know, between Clubhouse and Zoom and anybody who has a comment that they'd like to share. So when you are called, unmute yourself and take a couple, two or three minutes to talk about first who you are and where you're from and talk about your transportation gift list, what you'd like to see, uh, ideas you have to make transportation better, questions, things you'd like us to talk about next year, anything that fits into that space. And I mean, that's really all there is to it. And if you have a question, we'll try to answer it. Uh, we may, I may ask you some follow-up questions to try to understand your situation better. So that's really it. Uh, so we can just get started. And why don't we go ahead and start uh, in Zoom, Natalie, if you want to uh, uh, take a look, if we have any hands raised already. Um, yes, you have okay. two, uh, two of them. All right. Well, let's take those two and then we'll pop over to Clubhouse after that. All right. Um, Sharon, you can go ahead and unmute. Hi. Hi, everyone. Hi, Ron. This is Sharon Ostrakowski in Massachusetts. How hey, are Sharon. you? I'm great. How are you? Good. Um, before I get into um, my our specific inf um, uh, situation here, I had two thoughts about subjects for next year. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> one is very nitty gritty. It's about scheduling software okay. and how it works. And if our transit agency is looking to change to a different one, um, what can we what kind of feedback can we get them, give them and about changes that could be made positively? Um, and a second topic is um, I, here in Massachusetts, at least the whole idea of Uber and Lyft drivers becoming employees is really in the fore right now, mm -hmm. rather than staying as contractors. And the one, the drivers that I have talked to have not been in favor of this. They want to stay as contractors. Um, but our particular attorney general is very much opposed to this. And I'd just like to have us have a discussion about what this might mean for this vital part of our industry and, and how we interface with it. Okay. Those are some interesting topics. Now, the yeah. nerd in me loves that first one. You know, I can, I can imagine all the, the detailed we might lose a couple of people to sleep, but but it's a pretty it is a pretty interesting topic, and actually, there's more to software than one might imagine. So I appreciate those ideas. 
Yeah, because we all, I mean, we all complain about, you know, they scheduled rides from all over the, mm-hmm. you know, all over the city and, yeah. and everybody was late. And, and it just seems like there's a, there's an organization, I think they're called uh, VIA, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. that's doing some microtransit in our area, but that have some different software. And yeah. uh, so anyway, I, I would like Excellent. to take a little bit of a dive on that. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Next. Um, Lino. Lino? Okay, I got the, I thought you guys were gonna go to Clubhouse next, but that's okay. Nope. Two and then Clubhouse. Yeah. You're number two. Two. Two, for two for one. Okay, gotcha. No, really, the, you know, I'll keep it as short as I can, but really, you know, uh, no. what we need is, and I, I don't know how they're gonna work it out. I mean, uh, number one, you know, I'm still having problems. My wife and I, because I speak on behalf of both of us, we're still having a lot of issues with Uber and Lyft. Not so much the driver denials, uh, that sort of thing, because we know better. She has a guide dog. I'm a former guide dog handler. You know, uh, we don't want to talk about the subject of guide dog denial. That's for later time, another place. But, uh, you know, the situation is right now, you know, my mother-in-law is in a hospital excuse me, in a nursing home, uh, she was in a hospital for nearly two months. Okay. And the lack of, you know, you know, I've discussed this many times before. I don't know how we got with the limited knowledge I have. I don't know how we can tackle this anyway in rural America. And I'm just not just talking to my County, but how to make these, uh, you know, how to make available to us in rural America. doesn't matter if you're blind or sighted get Uber and Lyft. I mean, I, I practically beat my head up against the wall every time we want to go see her at the nursing home because we can sit here from, I'll, I'll give you a rough, a rough example, eight in the morning, nine in the morning, whatever, we get up and do the thing, drink our coffee, get dressed, all that mess, blah, 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 blah. Once we did get done that, we're between Uber and Lyft, we go back and forth maybe five or six times, if not more, per day trying to book a ride. And then mm-hmm. one day, some days it doesn't happen at all. So, uh, we might get lucky because maybe the driver, him or her, might come, happen to visit our county. Oh, I'm going to turn off the app today because I'm in your location. But, you know, the, the people that tell us that do drive through here do tell us, you know, they boldly say, hey, look, I don't turn on the app until I reach Concord, North Carolina, which is 45 minutes. That's where the nursing home is or Charlotte, mm-hmm. which is another mm-hmm. 35 miles away. So, you know, I, I like to see, you know, I like, like I said, a lack of knowledge in my part that how do I get this done? Second of all, of course, it would take some doing from Mecklenburg County, which is in Charlotte and the people here in Stanley, where I live to set up, say a, uh, like a bus bridge or, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they can come here maybe twice a day, send one of their cats buses, which is a Charlotte area transit at a particular location here in the, here in the County seat where I live in. Uh, and if you want to come home, you know, maybe they can work it out somehow. Mm-hmm. I, obviously these things take money. Yeah. And, you know, the, the money is the, the key word here, but you know, I, I'd like to see something happen with right. at least next year in 2023 and beyond. Thanks Ron. Hey, no problem at all. It's a, and it's a good, you know, 19% of the American population lives in communities that are classified as rural and we don't those of us who live in cities we don't realize how it's bad in cities and many cities and suburban transportation is tough but if you're in that 19 percent, it's a whole different deal and uh, i think we can certainly have a conversation around 
rural transportation and what are the options? What are the opportunities? What about TNCs in rural communities? I think we could have a very interesting discussion. So I appreciate the suggestion. Uh, okay, Brad, anybody out in Clubhouse? Yes, we have Herbie Allen. Herbie? Okay. Hello. Yes, this is actually, I think, the first time I've been on this call as a normal participant rather than a connector or a streamer or whatever. So, um, well, welcome. You know, Where, what city uh, in the world do you live uh, in? I am in Houston, Texas. And by the All way, right. just one thing I want to mention real quick is one of the advantages of Clubhouse, I saw the notification. I was like, oh, yeah, I was reminded about this call. I figured I decided to come. So this is where Clubhouse is really helpful. Um, I got to actually, you know, where most people have complaints about their systems, I actually have to be a little bit opposite. Overall, I'm really pleased with how our Metrolift system is in Houston. Um, they actually do some things right. They have a an online booking, the booking system, both on the phone that you can use or online. The online one mm -hmm. is a little bit better because now they've actually updated to where you can do um, full addresses. Um, the only thing, two things that really annoy me about it is... Um, one, it, it's like they give you a 10 minute call out and then it's 10 minutes go by and they're still not there and they're still not there. So it's like you're waiting another 10 minutes. So I think that needs to be fixed. The other thing that I really would like to see them implement is a program that I know uh, they've definitely implemented in some other areas, including Brad's, where you could use Uber and Lyft and get a discount because there are times when it's not convenient to use paratransit. Like I really don't want to pay $7 to go down the street to the pharmacy and pick up med and another $7 to come back, you know, for the convenience of getting home to and from there in a reasonable time, like say five, 10 minutes as opposed to an hour to two hours with paratransit. So I just wish there were some ways either with, you know, more of that being implemented or some way that, mm -hmm. you know, the paratransit could be better adapted to when you do have quick trips like that. And um, that's yeah. where, you know, I, I really wish there could, and then, and then and I recognize that there's no easy answer to all that, but you know, that's where paratransit I think really is. You know, I, I know you can't use it as your personal taxi service, but it's, just so expensive when you do want a personal taxi service. And that's yeah. where I get a little bit frustrated. No, I appreciate that. And, and you're certainly not alone uh, in, you know, why should an errand that takes somebody 15 minutes take us two hours? I mean, it is a, it's a very valid point. So uh, anybody else in clubhouse? Uh, that's it for right now. Okay. How about back over in zoom? Yes, um, we have Jewel. You can go ahead. Hi, uh, my name is Jewel. I am in Glasgow, well, outside of Glasgow, Kentucky, and four miles outside of the sea limits, which is one of the things I was going to address, kind of piggyback on what was said earlier about rural transportation. Mm -hmm. um, I have lived here since June last year, and it was really what I needed to get out of the city where I could take some time and peace and quiet to heal. I had a lot of trauma um, before that, homelessness and craziness, and um, I really needed it. But then I've noticed that transportation options out here are zero. Unless I'm going to a medical appointment, there is no transportation whatsoever, not even Uber or Lyft. 
-hmm. order to get an Uber or Lyft, it's a $35 surcharge each way. Mm -hmm. Just for them to come pick me up, even if it's just down into town four miles away. Yeah. So, and I'm just four miles outside of town. I can't imagine going, you know, 20 miles. Um, So I am moving into the city again um, in a couple of weeks because there's no options and I'm currently living alone at the moment. So I don't leave the property, but like if I'm lucky once a week, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe, you know, maybe once a week, sometimes it's not it, but like twice a month that I leave the property and I'm living alone. So, you know, if somebody deigns on me to come visit me, that's the only time I get visitors. Um, So, you know, it's kind of rough, but I'm a country girl. I grew up in the country. I love the country. If I could live in the country and have transportation options, options, I would have a homestead and, you know, raise food and, and, you know, animals and stuff and be happy. But the transportation options options for somebody with a disability who can't drive in the country are zero. So that would be my main thing. Um, Since I am moving to Bowling Green in a couple of weeks, um, I would also mention transportation options are better there, but they have no options but Uber or Lyft on the weekend. And people want to be able to go to church. They want to be able to go to weekend socials, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and there's not even a bus line on the weekend. There's, you know, the buses aren't running on the Mm -hmm. weekend. So if you can't drive, you are walking or taking an Uber or Lyft on the weekend. So that's another thing I would have addressed is options for either discounted Uber or Lyft, like Herbie was talking about, or some kind of paratransit that runs on the weekend for cities where there is no paratransit on the weekend at this time, Um, because that is a problem. You know, if I want to go to my Buddhist temple on Saturdays, which is when they would have their um, their, you know, get togethers, their, their sangha meetings. I can't go unless I pay for an Uber Lyft. And, you know, I'm on the basic SS, SSDI, SSI level. Um, yeah, that yeah, would be uh, like once a month treat. That yeah. shouldn't be. You know, if somebody wants to go to church each week, that's going to be expensive for somebody who doesn't have bus service on the weekend. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, no, I, I appreciate, yeah, no, I appreciate yeah. that. And, you know, we, um, there was always a joke when I was growing up because I grew up in a, in Indiana, which is also a fairly rural state. And there was mm-hmm. always a joke that, you know, we should invent a seeing eye horse so you could ride into town. <laughs> uh, I don't oh. think they, I don't think they figured it out yet, but um, I'm yeah. wondering. Um, guide ponies. So I yeah. guess just make it a bigger, bigger pony. And make it a bigger <laughs> pony. Exactly. I, I wonder and I don't know the answer, and it's not for untangling transportation, but it, but it might be a really fun call if we could find a blind person who is a homesteader. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be very interesting. There is somebody in my nearby area who is a blind farmer. He actually mm-hmm. owns acres. He has a full farm, um, wow. and he has done a presentation for a local chapter. I'll have to talk to our president. Maybe I could, like... Maybe I could get him on. I think actually he was on the um, home garden and agriculture. Yeah, that is uh, fascinating to me. I live in a yeah. city. I mean, we're, our neighbors are all pretty close. So I, it's it's yeah. fascinating. So very and cool. His wife is <clears throat> low vision. Um, mm-hmm. So she can still drive, but she, you know, she's getting lower vision all the time. So, yeah. but they yeah. have an actual farm with like, I think they have like 30 acres. So yeah. I can imagine doing that. I live on an acre and a half or no, <laughs> not even an acre. So, yeah. but it, you know, the options for transportation have limited me so much that I'm having to leave the country, yeah. even though 
you know, I'm going to do community garden, but I love my gardening and I, lo- I would love to have chickens and, you know, goats and stuff, but that's, yeah. you know, transportation options. So limit yeah. Me. Very, very, very good uh, topic to consider. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, other hands. Yes. Um, Jonathan. Hi, Ron. Hi. My name is Jonathan Simeone. Uh, I live in Portland, Oregon now. Um, It's the fifth state I've lived in. And I uh, have listened to a few of your monthly calls in in all candor. It's one of the things that encouraged me to do my own podcast with ACB Community. um, Because I really appreciate what you're giving back. Um, and I thought I could give Thank back you. too. So one of my wishes is, um, and that ties into my podcast, is that folks really understand what their rights are and how to access them and enforce them. I, I'm a lawyer by trade. Uh, and so that's what my podcast is about. And in January, we're going to be doing the uh, Air Carrier Access Act. Mm-hmm. And I really want people to understand what their rights are, because I think their rights, in some cases, are more than they realize. Um, and also to learn how to complain, because whether we like it or not, and I don't, these are complaint-based laws. Um, and the more we say about our experiences, the more chances we have of making our own situation better and influencing the further development of the law. So um, that's what I would like to see. I I don't think the laws, um, even though I think they can be used more than uh, folks know, I don't think they're strong enough. Uh, I don't think they provide us enough protection. And I think it's up to us to really advocate. So that's my wish in the new year that we can figure out how to get folks um, more interested in, in understanding how, um, you know, and if anyone's interested, my podcast is demand our access mm-hmm. and, and, uh, there's a website too at that address. And thank you again for your service and your commitment to the community, Ron. And I, I look forward to, uh, learning from you in the new year. Well, I appreciate that. And, and I will tell you, um, it is very rewarding when people solve individual and highly frustrating challenges that they've been dealing with for a long time. And and just to give an example, uh, there was a person who uh, came to Accessible Avenue because their agency was uh, continuously providing uh, paratransit, yeah, they were, they had just updated their paratransit software, uh, but the new system was totally inaccessible. And so this person uh, was continuously you know, not able to use the software, which they'd done for a long time. And then they had to start calling, which took a lot longer. They lost functionality. And, it, you know, to an outsider, it's like, well, you just, just call, you know, what are you complaining about? It's a subsidized service. But, you know, we all have the same pressures on our time. We have the same things we want to get done as everybody else. Uh, we have the same uh, desire to not spend all day on hold. And talking to somebody who's 
about one time in 10, probably going to mess mess up the details and send the vehicle to the wrong place. That might be a little overstated, but, but you know, the, it, it's, it's a small thing to, when you look at the big picture, but to that one person in their world, that's a hundred percent of their experience. And it's very rewarding when we can, you know, kind of look at those situations and give people tips and tricks that they can try to make it work better. And when it, when it actually does, it's really, really cool. If I may just add really quickly, mm-hmm. one of the things that we're going to go through on the January 21st episode mm-hmm. is actually how to file a complaint with DOT. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're going to fill out the form and we're going to use a real world example mm-hmm. um, of someone I know and what happened to them. And we're going to walk through tying that to the dis- the passengers with disabilities, Bill of Rights, um, mm-hmm. and all of that good stuff. Um, and I hope people will figure out that, you know, in a few minutes, you can do a really good complaint. Yep. Uh, and then I'm going to put the templates online so other people can use them and apply them to their own situation. So, yep. Excellent. Thank you. Yep. Excellent. Um, okay. Cool. Uh, anybody out in Clubhouse? Yes, we do. We raised. have All right. a hand. We have Teresa. Teresa, you may go ahead. Well, hello there. I am originally, well, we got to start out that I originally lived in Florida first of my life, and then I ended up in Dallas, Texas. Right now I'm in Colorado, and I have to tell you, um, I've been on this paratransit or transportation issue in Dallas for probably about the last, before I left, I've been in Texas for 10 years, the last seven months of my life in Texas, I became a really big advocate on working on the PAG, the DART paratransit. And honestly, out of the three states I've been in, um, um, well, I shouldn't throw it out there, but Brad, I'm going to put you in with this, but Brad knows da- uh, Dallas paratransit's doing a great job. Nothing's ever perfect. And I will agree to the guy who just spoke, got to open your, your voices and, and, you know, your complaints do matter. If you don't speak mm-hmm. up, they're not going to be able to make things better as long as we can communicate properly the transportation in any city should be better. Um, having a little bit of issue in Colorado, but their services are different. Dallas just set five or six years ago, maybe seven now, eh, about six years ago, implemented the whole, I think they were the, one of the first people to do the, uh, the Uber Lyft um, on demand. It was a pilot program for the longest in Texas. And it's a great program. However, I know about route match. I know about trapeze. I understand about scheduling only because I got involved. Mm-hmm. I sit on this board and I really fight for the people with low vision or any disability to say, hey, what are we doing? How can we make it better? No transportation is ever going to be perfect with the paratransit part of it, not the on demand of the Uber and Lyft. As a client, you have to remember if you're riding that way, it is a share and ride program. But it's so grateful that Texas adopted this, you know what, we need our riders to go anywhere they need to go. And we're going to try and do it, do it with Lyft. Mm-hmm. And that's how they started out. And Colorado's on board. They started doing that. But they're so different where Texas gives you up to $35 to ride, $3 you pay. Um, if it goes over the $35 within that county, you just pay the difference and you can go pretty much anywhere on demand. Colorado does a little bit different. I'm fighting a little bit to get onto their transportation because of where I'm, what I'm doing right now in my life being in Colorado. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but for the most part, they've got it for $20 and then $2 and then it's the mm-hmm. same thing, but it is, you know, it's not for everybody, but it does work. And like the gentleman said, and I'm going to drop my mic in a second, you got, everyone has to kind of speak up and, you know, make sure you're, even if you don't think it's valid, speak up and, you know, make sure you're heard because that's the only way things have changed. Thank you for letting me speak. Agreed. Thank you. And you're most welcome. And and I'm going to take a minute just to plug on the um, Accessible Avenue website under resources. We have some free templates for uh, documenting and filing comments with your local transit agency. Every, every agency is different, but this template is general and should give you all of the data points that an agency would need to investigate a service complaint or a service compliment so they can tell the person that did it, you know, that they did a good job. You can check those out. Those are free. You can take them, download them, use them for whatever you like. Um, so, uh, because I agree with John, people don't know how to complain um, effectively. They don't give the right details or they don't do it in time. So the de- so they don't remember things they need to know, which makes it hard to investigate. So feel free if you'd like to check that out. Uh, because we agree with uh, what John said. It, 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 if you can provide comments in a way that agencies can consume the information and take action, you have a much better chance of getting your problem resolved. Um, back over to Zoom. Do we have any hands raised? Um, yes. Meryl, Hi. you can go ahead. Hi, Ron. Um, thank you so much for the um email that you provided to uh, ACB conversation about you serve and mobility um, because we, it was a soft launch launch and I am on the committee, the um, uh, citizens advisory committee for accessible transportation. And I am also on the subcommittee for um, mobility and uh, title six services. And basically um, it was a soft launch, and when we asked why we weren't notified because some people saw vehicles that said, you serve, they said, oh, it was a soft launch, and you didn't have to be notified. And I think that's really, <clears throat> that's not a good thing. I think we should have been notified about it. Now, the other thing I would like to say is, yes, and we have um, we have Call-A-Ride, um, which is same-day service, and there are a lot of issues with it right now. Uh, a lot of uh, drivers don't want to take the trips, um, don't want to accept the trips because there's more money to be made for regular cab fares, um, and there have been guide dog denials, and also there have been, there's another paratransit, at, well, we have two other um actually um, providers in the state for um, paratransit. We have Metro Access, which is Northern Virginia, D.C., and um, uh, Montgomery County and Prince George's County. And then they have the HD ride in Howard County. And what I would like to see for next year, um, basically, because right now we have intermodal transportation and there are reciprocal agreements between these agencies. But what I would like to see, because a lot of people in the state want to get together, we have two chapters. We have the Central Maryland Council of the Blind for ACB and we have the National Capital Area Chapter. And we'd like to get together and do things, but it's virtually impossible because you have to take uh you know mobility uh then you have to take the um 
mark train to dc or you have to take a bus to silver spring and you know it, it takes a whole day so we really need something where people will be able to to do things and and do things that they want to do i'm getting frustrated with it <laughs> thank you hello yeah you're here Meryl. We, oh, we all, thank you. We heard you. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Ron. Um, so, Karen, uh, I will let Karen, if you want to go next. Hi, Ron and everybody. This is Karen here in uh, Tempe, Arizona. And um, I just, well, first of all, I do want, Ron, I want to say that um, I've been listening to many of, of these calls that you do every month, and um, I, I think they're wonderful, and there's something we definitely need here in the community. And um, I, I do have a, a small uh, <laughs> gift list for transportation, some of which, which you know, and uh, so I... Um, a few a few things um you know we have need to continue to work on on the uh guide dog denial uh cases those things i mean in this day and age the um these denials should not be happening um and you know like all of you are saying we need to continue reporting it and um working on you know um improving that um but also with um with uh, paratransit, um, there are a few things there. Um, definitely with, with the scheduling, I don't know if um, Valley Metro still uses uh, trapeze or not, but uh, it can definitely, uh, you know, they can definitely, definitely work on a different software because there, there's definitely scheduling issues there. Um, and I would love to, you know, I will say this, in the, in the last five or six years, um, We've had a lot, I've seen a lot of improvement with transportation here in the Phoenix metro area. We have, we have um, regional dial-a-ride up until five or six years ago. It was very difficult to get from one end of the valley to the other. And um, that is, it's, you know, it's been great trying, you know, being able to get from East Valley to the West Valley. And um, also, uh, I, you know, it was nice having the day to day, you know, the, uh, or being able to schedule the rides um, same day. And I hope that at some point that they'll go back to that because, you know, some of you were saying that um, it would be nice, um, you know, as a blind and low vision person, if you had to, you know, make a few stops along the way that you can do it, you know, go to the pharmacy, you know, pick up, you know, your, your child or whatever, that kind of thing. So it'd be kind of nice to have um, that. And then another thing is um, for the for the customers, well, for the customer service people to have a little more respect, like give us a little more support, whether it be um, when you're calling the transportation company and wanting to get more details on a route as um, I don't know about you guys, but as a blind, low vision person, especially as a cane user, sometimes you need a little more detail than the average person, you know, certainly more than a sighted person. 
and sometimes they don't have the patience and they're not always consider, considerate and respectful. And then one last thing, um, as far as paperwork and filling out eligibility uh, renewals, you know, and, and paperwork, um, we should have, um, you know, be able to complete these forms online ourselves, make them fully accessible, or for whatever reason, they're not accessible to at least have in the reasonable accommodation to have assistance completing it. And, you know, of course, um, you know, the you know, Valley Metro and other transportation companies, they're not the only ones that will, you know, make comments like, well, don't you have a sighted person to help you? Um, it's very, it's commonplace. They think that we, you know, can easily get assistance, but yeah. So, but those are some of the things that I would like to, to see for the future. And I, I definitely see a lot of progress here in the Valley, um, but there's more room for improvement and all of us need to, if, if we're having issues and concerns, definitely to address them. And I've been doing some of that and uh, Ron here has been helping me with some of that. So grateful for that. Appreciate it. Thank you, everybody. Okay. Um, we have no hands. Ron. He is here. He's muted, but. <laughs> okay, how about now? Clubhouse. Okay, yes, we can hear you now. Yes. I am having some hard time over here with the, with the Zoom. It is not. There we go. All right. Okay. So I want to actually come back to a couple of comments. I, I, I'm not sure where or why that happened. Um, I want to come back to comments that Merrill made a couple, and then I want to talk about Karen. So I want to just address some of those because they brought up a lot of issues. And I want to go back to Merrill's comments. And um, just for the sake of those who um, may not remember, because she, she gave a lot, just to reset the stage, she is in the Baltimore area. And um, she she raised a comment about you know th there is a a same day program in the Baltimore area that people can call. It's called mobile. It's called um, MTA Call a Ride. There are a number of providers in that program you can call, and it's kind of like the one that somebody was talking about in Colorado. I think it was Teresa. Um, and you basically you call and you pay two or three dollars. I think it's three dollars in, in Baltimore, and you travel for. Uh, up to the cost of a, of a, I think it might be like $30, $35 or something like that. And then you pay the difference above that. And you know, those programs are, are becoming more and more popular. Those are called on-demand uh, paratransit. Sometimes they're called opt-in. They, they go by different names. But uh, her comment was, it would really be nice if, if these programs existed statewide so we could actually meet each other because you have people down in the D.C. area, they don't have that program. And so it's impossible for people in the state uh, to, to easily connect up. So one of the things I wanted to say to Merrill is you have a new governor, uh, I believe, in the state of Maryland. You may end up with a new transportation uh, secretary in the state of Maryland. This is a time when a local chapter can can really start to exert some political pressure and say, "Hey, you know, you're coming in. You're a new agenda. You're a new administration." Uh, and I believe this was also a change of 
party in Maryland. So you have an opportunity here to use the system at a time when the system might be looking for some wins. Um, so I would encourage you to really think about strategically within your affiliate, how do we um, you know, use this opportunity in this time to push for some change? Um, I will tell you that Metro Access down in the DC area has, uh, they have a, uh, a taxi type program, TNC program uh, that, that functions, but it's very small. Um, they've had a lot of issues kind of getting it going. I don't know where it stands right now. It's it, for a while, it was kind of the drama de jour, but, but you know, talk to the folks down there and as a state, think about how you want to take action as a state. Um, and put some pressure, you know, use the example of Baltimore to uh, to embarrass the folks down in PG County and, and, and in some of the other areas. Uh, it's like, we have it, why don't you? You know, because there's really no reason. And if I'm a, if I'm a resident of the state of Maryland, I'd, I would want my taxes to get me the same deal that, that other residents of the state of Maryland get. So, uh, so, you know, think about those things. Mm -hmm. And if you want to strategize, those are things we can you know, spend a little time helping with. Um, just to Karen's comments, and Karen, thanks for your kind words, but uh, just to talk a little bit about some of the issues that you raised. You talked about eligibility. One of the things in our, in our country, the ADA has left paratransit eligibility certification to the local transit agencies to decide how they want to do it. And the result is that you have a patchwork of, of processes that differ from agency to agency. Uh, no two are the same. Uh, some of them require a lot of paperwork. Some require very little or no paperwork. Some require in-person assessments. Others don't. Some some depend strictly on a doctor saying that you're that you uh, have a, have a disability. Um, which sounds great until you try to get a doctor's appointment um, and you have to pay for it, which is not cool. So yeah. one of the things that I think we as an organization, and we can certainly use this call, is we can use one of our calls to take a deep dive into eligibility, why it's the way it is, what are the legal requirements, um, what, how much room do agencies actually have, and then maybe talk about how you can advocate uh, at the local level to try to have a better, more sensible process for, for doing eligibility. Uh, some of the other issues you raised, you know, there are issues that I think I've heard other people talk about, you know, software. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of pieces there, but, um, I, you know, I definitely appreciate all those comments. Uh, and I think there's definitely some programming that we can think about for next year that, you know, from those comments. So, Unless we have other hands raised, we might have a short evening. So, um, so let's let's see. Do we have anybody in Clubhouse or in Zoom? Nobody None in Clubhouse in right now. Okay. So I'm going to just take a minute and talk a little bit more about kind of some of uh, of what Accessible Avenue is working on in the coming year. Uh, and um, and if we do, if we get comments, we'll take them. And if we don't, then we will wrap up. But let me just share a little bit of some of the work we're doing. Uh, as it touches on the blind, low vision community, uh, there is a lot of work being done in the transit industry right now uh, around the subject of wayfinding. And wayfinding to, uh, the, in, in general, it means different things to different people. But in general, wayfinding is this notion of 
giving people the information that they need to navigate from wherever they happen to be to a transit system. Uh, it could be a bus stop, train station, transit center downtown, whatever. Then how to navigate within the transit system and then how to navigate from the end of their trip on transit to wherever they're trying to get to is how do we make that accessible for uh, folks with disabilities? Um, and there's been a lot of technology that's come into the marketplace that can support that process. Uh, a lot of the technologies have pros and cons. They have areas that they're good at. Uh, they have areas where they're a little bit more challenged. And the industry is looking for a solution. And one of the things that uh, happened this past year is that the uh, there's an organization called the Transportation Research Board. They are affiliated with the National Science Foundation. They've awarded a grant uh, to uh, a group. It's not a, it's a contract actually to a group of consultants uh, to literally look at how do we work create a toolkit for transit agencies to use uh, as they seek to serve the needs of people who are blind or low or have low vision. Um, so they will be spending the next two years in this project of really looking at the entire industry, talking to transit agencies, doing some surveys to find out what are agencies doing around the country to serve the need, the specific needs of people who are blind or have low vision. Um, the, the, the team includes a uh, couple of people that, that you will recognize. Uh, it includes uh, uh, BZ Benson. Some of you may know her. She's very, very strong in uh, things like uh, accessible pedestrian signals and, and uh, just really designing the infrastructure to be accessible. Uh, our, um, my organization, Accessible Avenue, we're a part of the project to help uh, with community engagement and also just looking at some of these products yeah, as they play out in the industry and as they work, yeah, as we're seeking to serve the needs of people who are blind or low vision. Y'all will hear more about this because there's a strong community input process uh, with this project. So we'll be talking to the community. Um, so that's coming and, and we'll start to see that work in 2023. Um, another thing that I think you'll continue to see for kind of trends in transit in 2023, there will be a continued push towards on-demand paratransit. Um, there are more and more cities that are starting to launch it. There are more and more cities that recognize we don't have enough drivers in the industry. We don't have enough vehicles. Uh, we don't have the right systems. We need on-demand paratransit to help us solve uh, the dilemmas that we're in right now because of technology uh, challenges, driver shortages, and, and supply chain disruptions that are affecting vehicle availability and ships. So I think you're gonna see more on-demand transportation in the near future. Um, I think the third trend you're gonna see is more systems integrating paratransit with their regular fixed route bus operations. Things like microtransit, which we haven't spent too much time on. That's a trend. I think you're gonna to start to see more and more agencies trying to figure out how to use those kinds of services to meet the needs of all customers um, in kind of more of an integrated setting. And the last thing is I think we're going to continue to talk a lot about equity and how do we make service work for everybody that needs to use it, not just uh, a small handful of people that take buses and trains to work every day. 
So we're a part of most of those conversations at Accessible Avenue in one way, shape, or form. Uh, and um, I will be looking to figure out how we can bring some of those conversations into this space uh, at future meetings, along with all the other topics that y'all have uh, been suggesting. So it'll be a fun year. I think it'll be a, a really, really fun year. Um, any hands raised at this point? Um, you have Jewel and Meryl, who I know have both talked before. So do you want That's those? okay. We are, unless we have others, we are good to go for repeats. Nothing in Clubhouse right now. Okay. Let's go Jewel and then Meryl. Okay. Uh-oh. Oh, there you she go. just left. Oh. No, she left. Oh. <laughs> so Zoom must have kicked her off. So we'll go with Meryl. And then if okay. Jewel comes back, we'll go. Thanks, yeah. Natalie. Um, and Brad and um, Ron. Well, first of all, your comments are really fantastic. And I want to thank you for everything you do, Ron. And we need parity. We need equity. We need equality. Yeah, we need equality for all of us. And uh, what I what I wanted to say is that I am going to be reaching out to you because I have three people in mind who are on our committee and subcommittee that are valuable members that I know they would really like to engage with you as I would. Okay. So thank you. Happy to chat. So you're welcome. Mm -hmm. All right. And Jewel is back. So oh, go good. ahead, Jewel. Awesome. Sorry about that. I was closing an app that was playing something and ended up closing Zoom. Uh, Zoom Zoom has been <laughs> wicked tonight. Let's just call it what it is. Yeah, that was that was yeah, that was bad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so um I did want to bring up another topic that I thought would be really good for a lot of people. How to, like the process, like step by step process of advocating for things like audio, audible pedestrian signals, sidewalks on roads that have no sidewalks, you end up walking on the side of the road. Um, you know, buses that talk and tell you the number of the bus so you don't have to guess, things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, more accessibility out there, you know, walking and riding the bus mm -hmm. in general. Mm -hmm. Like, what is the process of that? So I would say that would be a really good topic for the new year. It's a, That's a really good one. And actually, we, we can bring on a couple of people to talk about it. I will tell you, the process differs by region mm. uh, and by community because uh, most, and people don't realize this, you know, there's a lot of federal laws around transportation, but all of the funding, other than for, uh, not all, that's, that's not a fair statement, most of the funding for operating transit, not not so much the new, not so much building. So money that is spent to build things is often federal money matched with local money. But most of the money, the vast majority of the money that operates transit is local money. And you know what they say, he who has he who has the money set, uh, makes the rules. Um, and the federal government doesn't really make decisions about how decisions get made locally. Mm -hmm. They set the rules for the minimum requirements. They set the rules for what you have to do as kind of the bare minimum uh, in some cases, but all the decisions about how you do it, those are local. So, so, but I think, I still think there's value in the topic and maybe what we can think about is we can find some people who have solved issues in their local communities. We can look for folks uh, from smaller communities, uh, from rural communities, and then also folks from larger communities. And we can and just ask them to come talk about the issue that they solved and 
how they did it, then we can just have a conversation. So and perhaps, I, yeah, I'm sorry. Perhaps that would be something to um, join up with. Um, I think his name was Sean from the Demand Our Rights um, podcast. Maybe that would be something. Oh, John Simeon. John Simeon. John. Yeah. Yeah, John. Yeah, he might. Yeah. He might have to be a guest. He he put himself yeah, out there, didn't he? He would be able to know about that stuff a bit more um, from the you know the legal standpoint of advocating for things um, like you know. I remember in Raleigh, North Carolina, there is a very busy boulevard that at one point the sidewalk is gone. There's sidewalk for most of the way and then suddenly there's no sidewalk and the chances of walking on the side of the road are none. You would get run over in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. So then it's like the first time I watched that, I walked all that way and was like, oh, shoot, I can't go any further. (laughs) So, yeah, no, that's a great, great point. And I appreciate the suggestion. I love the topic. All right. Any others? No, sir. Not on Zoom anyway. In Clubhouse? Nothing right now. All right. Well, I guess our last gift of the year is going to be give you back some of your time this evening. (laughs) Um, I would like to just take a minute to thank everybody. Um, Some of you have been on many. Now we have a hand. Okay. Who's our hand? I, I think I did. Hang on. Nope. Nope. Okay. Well, we do have a hand. I do. I do. I do. Oh, now we got two. That's so (laughs) funny. Let's go with Clubhouse and then we'll come back to Zoom. Okay. We have Teresa. I gave her the signal to come back up on stage. Okay. Teresa, are you there? Why don't we go to Zoom? Okay, and come. I'm here. Sorry. Oh, there you are. There you are. Okay. So, if this is a topic you'd want to talk about in transportation, or if it's just a different topic. However, I was thinking about this as you were speaking and talking about that way thing. Mm-hmm. However, being in Colorado, I did use it years ago, but I don't know how good they were in Texas. But since I've been here in Colorado the last few months, there is a Move It app that kind of helps you as you're moving through the transportation, and even Colorado has their transportation i think it's called well it's rtd but it's a it's a transit app that Mm -hmm. when you're traveling it does like tell you where you're at and what's going on so maybe there's some apps that you guys can speak about within the transportation on what's the best ones to use for transportation this is the thought that's maybe just another conversation thank you for letting me speak oh absolutely appreciate it back over to zoom all right um diana Yes. Hi. Um, I appreciate these calls that you do for us. Um, I was wondering if that would be just like a, I would like to have a possibility for the next year of a a topic that um, would be just a general recap of, which I have to admit, I've not studied the ADA laws and things to know what uh, is the legal requirements, but like, what is the maximum amount of window they can make you have? What is the uh, least or most amount of time, what is the range of time, I guess I should say, that you need to call in in your, as far as legal requirements go, that you have to call in to make your presets. Just things like the general, are there legal limits Mm -hmm. and settings, you know, for for these different things that we all have to do with our paratransit. Um, I'm in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and in general, it works pretty well. Um, But it, uh, I would like to know 
so that I can compare, you know, the service I'm receiving mm-hmm. with what the legal are they are they actually keeping the legal requirements for the different things that we have, like presets, window times, when you have to call in, you know, how soon, mm-hmm. all that kind of thing mm-hmm. for the paratransit. Happy to happy to um, consider that as a topic. I will also tell you that um, we can certainly also provide some free resources that actually go into some of that detail in kind of a checklist format. Uh, so you can have it with you in a in a written form or in a you know electronic form if that would be helpful because there is a lot of work and um, that's gone into kind of creating some of that. Um, so we could probably do both, and uh, you know different people uh, learn in different ways. Uh, but but uh, I definitely hear you. It's a lot of details, and 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 people need this information and you don't really, you know, it's like, who's going to listen to all this detail until you need it. And then it's like, now I know, I think I heard this, but I can't remember (laughs) where. And so we can totally work with that. Exactly. Appreciate it. Yeah. Any other hands? Yes, Meryl. (laughs) Sorry, Ron. I have a lot of ideas. Um, Okay. Next. Uh, year, I would like to see two other topics. Um, I would like you to, um, and I'm going to look at everything you sent about serve also, but I would like you to enlighten people on serve. you know, speak about it. And then the other um, thing is the American Paratransit Association, APTA. Um, maybe you can have somebody from APTA talk also well, I appreciate those topics um, because uh, we don't want to do brand um, recognition here. It's not appropriate, but okay. what we can do is talk about, and we did this this year. We had a presentation on on-demand paratransit. Yeah, user, of right. course, is one of those providers, mm-hmm. but we can narrow that down and we can have a conversation about just about the different, you know, approaches to on-demand transportation uh, okay but we can't we can't do not only not for user but for anybody it wouldn't be appropriate for us oh, to okay. get into brands and trying okay. to endorse one over the other no i um, understand thank you mm-hmm. but with regard to the american and it's actually the american public transit oh, public Associ- yeah, yeah. oh sorry um, okay. they are the trade association for the transit industry and i can certainly ask them if they make those kind of presentations. Um, okay. Uh, it would be interesting. I will tell you that, that the, you know, the, the public transit industry and they are the trade association that represents them in Washington. Uh, most transit agencies are members of APTA, um, a lot of consultants, a lot of suppliers in the industry. Um, they are, you know, their entire focus is to get money for transit. I mean, that's really what they do. And, uh-huh. Um, it's an interesting topic. They don't do, they are, they don't do a lot of community outreach. It's not their function. However, uh, there was a time when APTA had much, had a public facing kind of community service piece that they did. So I want to, I want to ponder that because I think it would be very interesting for folks to hear a, a truly inside industry perspective that's not me and my advocacy hat but right. actually like the industry like how mm-hmm. they really talk and thank you, you and also 
Oh, know, I'm you, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say you might find it a little frightening, but uh, it could be interesting. <laughs> and also, does the paratransit industry have their own um, organization that represents them, or the para the paratransit industry does not? Um, oh, okay. Now, I will tell you there 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 are a couple of associations that are close. So. Mm-hmm. There is a, an association called the North. Well, no, they're not paratransit. That's transit in general. Uh, um, okay. There really isn't a true that I know of paratransit trade association. Hmm, interesting. Oh, you would think there would be, but. Uh, There's some okay. that are close, but, but none yeah. that are specifically paratransit. Oh, okay. Thank you so much, Ron. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Any others? Dare I say no? <laughs> okay, we're not we're not going to take any more hands. We're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Um, but I want to thank everybody. You guys make these calls. Um, you know, we go find speakers based on topics you tell us are interesting, um, and then you guys show up. And some of you have been to most of our calls. Um, you guys make the calls, and I am grateful t- to all of you for your questions, uh, for your comments, for your suggestions, for your support. Uh, and just for being here. And you know, we podcast these calls. They they come up on ACB uh, on the uh, podcast page. We we do a post-call note that we send out to all of the lists and, and the ACB community page on Facebook and elsewhere. And uh, so all this content, whether it's tonight's questions and comments and conversation or the guests that we have on different topics, those are podcasts. So Thank you for helping us create all this content that hopefully is benefiting not just those of you here tonight, uh, but but people who are going to hear it in the future uh, through ACB and elsewhere. So I want to wish everybody um, a happy, happy holiday for the uh, holiday of your choice, whether it's Christmas or, or, or Hanukkah, which of course is over at this point, or Kwanzaa or whatever. Um, I hope that this holiday season is safe. I hope you get to spend it with people that that you care about. Uh, And if you're spending it by yourself, I hope that you find time to do the things you want uh, and to get whatever joy is available to you in this season. Uh, We will be back in January uh, with another topic. We haven't uh, nailed that down yet, but stay tuned and we will have that out. If you would like to be on our mailing list, send a note to the word connect at accessibleavenue.net, and we will be happy to add you. So season's greetings, and thank you, and that concludes our call.